Here is a box, a musical box, wound up and ready to play. Can you guess what is in it today? as we open Box 39 exclusively for Con Radio. Because I'm Ian Tallentire, and this is the radio show that finds the treasures in Box 39. See, I'm just keeping you on your toes there. With just if, see if you could tell the difference between a recorded Ian and a real one. Well, I'd like to think there's a three-dimensional difference, Mr. Lawrence. Welcome, one and all, and this is really the live Out of Box 39. I am Bill Lawrence. For next hour, join me, Adrian Cohen and Ian Talenter, as we're going to open Box 39 exclusively for Colm Radio. And hello again. I am Ian Talenter. Yes, Ian, we know you're Ian Talenter. Now get on with it. This is the radio show that finds the treasures in Box 39. With a little thank you to Mr Kant for the opening sequence. And tonight, we are opening a football special as we welcome two very special football experts into the studio here at Cone Radio Towers. Firstly, of course, Cone Radio's voice of football, who's going to warm us up for the World Cup. Hello, Bryn. It's good to be back, Bill. Really good to be in the studio again on this beautiful summer's day, we could almost say. And of course, as usual, we're doing this so deftly. You're used to our deft skills on the desk, aren't you? But secondly, our old friend Jim as well is here, the Colu French Connection columnist in the Gazette, who's going to help us assess the season as it approaches its close. Hello there, Jim. Good evening, and it's very nice to be here again. Thank you for the invitation. You're very, very welcome. And whether it's your story or the story of others, whatever comes out of the box, it's always rich pickings. So I really do think it's time to start our football special. Come on then, let's open the box.
What's in the box? What's in the box? Cast your minds back to Italia 90. Bobby Robson was our manager. Gazzo was magnificent as a Geordie god. I kid you not, he was in his pomp, but he was his ever, he was at his very best. We even had a decent World Cup song. With World in Motion, more of that later with a wonderful John Barnes rap. We made it to the semi-final, the semi-final against West Germany. It was nil-nil at half-time, and then the Germans scored first in the 59th minute. We knew the routine. Our hearts were going to be broken. But then Lineker scored in the 81st. We were in it. It was one all. In extra time, Gaza clumsily fouls Berthold. He immediately raises his hand. He apologises. And then it's as if everybody watching the television across the whole nation paused as one. They looked, they waited. And it was an age just like that. The referee started to ruffle in his pocket. He, he found that yellow card. He raised it. And the whole nation choked. The magnificent Gaza was not going to be in the final. Gaza started to cry. Lineker looked at the camera and gave a quizzical look. The whole nation was traumatised. Gaza was in tears. What was going to happen? We got to penalties. So it was penalties against the Germans. We all knew how this was going to end. But no. Lineker scores. Beardsley scores. Platt scores. Each time they were going in, our, our emotions rose. We were hopeful. We were hopeful. But then, Germany draw level. Psycho comes up. Stuart Pierce steps up to the ball. If there was one man in the whole world you could trust to thunder it into the back of the net and probably burst the net, it was Psycho. But he missed. And shortly after that, it was all. I can't take any more, Bryn. I'm sorry. It's just, it's home. It hits home so badly. And I can't forget after how many years? 30 years? 28 years? It's still a very painful memory, Bryn. Uh, uh, you've left me in a traumatic state in the corner of the studio. God, Jim's got his head on the table. Oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. Ian's just not taking this seriously. He's <laughs> well, I am, because I'm thinking of poor Mr Lineker, who I see most Saturdays of the week. And, I mean, he's gone grey with the trauma of it all, hasn't he? And call that a moustache. But I think what we would say, though, is that that moment, to, be, to get a bit serious, captures exactly what the World Cup's about. Even if we don't win it, you can guarantee there are going to be the most emotional, wonderful televisual moments. It's going to be football at its best, and we just can't wait. And I'll say it, and I'll say it again, Italia 90, we should have won it. Well, some of the crowd are on the pitch. So, Bryn, what's this event you've got organised at the Arts Centre relating to the World Cup? Well, we thought that we ought to get ourselves in the mood. We ought to prepare Colchester for what awaits it. We need to sort of prepare them properly because younger listeners might not realise that it's going to be stressful, it's going to be traumatic. And unless you're so old you can remember 1966, it's going to end badly. So we want to prepare everybody. So why England lose is going to take place on June the 10th 
on the Sunday before the World Cup at the Arts Centre. We've got Anthony Clavain, who joined the press pack four times to cover the show, uh, the World Cup show um, for the Sunday Mirror. We've got Carrie Dunn, a sports writer, who wrote the best English women's football book, The Royal, The Roar of the Lionesses, who blogged for Kick It Out, the anti-racism group at um, the Brazil World Cup in 2014 at our second under. That's not all. We've got Charlie Davison, who's going to lead our England choir as our musical director. Mike Harwood, who many of you in Wivenhoe will know as the Il Presidente of Poetry Wivenhoe, is going to lead the World Cup Poetry Slam. We've got music, painful World Cup videos. We've even got a Subutio penalty shootout at half-time. Well, on the basis that it's called Why England Lose, I mean, not the most stimulating of titles, I've said, if you want to be a bunch of winners, but I guess you're you know, dealing with reality here. I don't want to be cruel to people. I want to prepare them properly. I want to put, younger people might not know what's awaiting them. We, we have to... Sort okay, of so in an effort to prepare them, how do they get tickets from the Arts Centre, Britain? Well, it all happens, as I said, on the eve of the World Cup, the Sunday before, on the 10th of June. And it's at the Colchester Arts Centre. Tickets are available on the web, from the ticket office, and on the night at the door. They're certainly bought them before, so I wasn't racked with nerves about nobody coming. So if you could get them on the web, that would make me feel a lot better. So, come on then, what's your prediction? Well, I think I'm, I think we've got one of the easiest draws on paper. Um, Belgium are third in the world rankings, but Panama, Tunisia and Belgium, we should stand a bloody good chance against all of those. Belgium ranked fifth, uh, fifth in the world by FIFA, so they're a challenge, but the top two go through. So let's be optimistic. I'm saying we'll get to the group of 16, and then it's Colombia or Poland. I'm sticking my neck out saying we'll beat them, and then it'll be quarter-final. And then, <clears throat> I think we can expect to beat Germany or Brazil. So I'm going for, I'm going for quarter-finals. He said he's going for the quarter-finals. Park West are an English alternative rock band formed in 1980 in Leicester. They have released 10 albums to date, but probably none more famous than Shakespeare Alabama, which came out in January 1989, and whose 10 songs yielded no less than four singles. This one, All the Myths on Sunday, being the most successful of them. In the mid-90s, they didn't have a record deal, but they bounced back and are still going strong, having accumulated a great catalogue of crafted guitar-driven songs. A new album is expected in 2018, their 38th year together.
So we've had a quick trip to Italy, but let's get back to Colchester and the community stadium. And I've got Jim French with me. And we're going to do a bit of an autopsy on the Colchester season. It's nearly over. It's all but over. Jim, what's your assessment of the Colu season? The consensus seems to be a bit down. What have you made of it? Well, I wouldn't disagree with the consensus. I think if we had to summarise the season in one word, the word sadly would be disappointing uh, in the league and uh, particularly in the, in the Cups, including that horrible, humiliating defeat in the FA Cup first round against Oxford City. Yeah, a bit of a habit, isn't it? It's too much of a habit, yeah. Um, I think our big hopes for the season, Curtis Guthrie and, uh, and Dickinson, both between them have played only uh, a few games. Sammy Smodic um, had a great spell in the middle of the season, then tailed off towards the end of it. Uh, we had a number of inadequate signings during the first transfer window, which ended in August. And overall, it's uh, yeah, there is a certain degree of, uh, of, of disappointment around the place. Few few highlights. Dre Wright's come into his own in the last couple of months of the season. Is playing really well. Came Vincent Young equally is looking a better player month by month. Um, ben Stevenson, one of the lone E signings, has been an absolute star. Wonderful player to watch. He receives the ball, thinks, dispatches it in in one s- smooth motion. I mean, I really le- like him. But uh, you know, these these are the things we're clinging on to for uh, for encouragement because overall uh, performances have been a little bit below what we'd expect. I, th- I think there's been some positives though, because to me it looks like we've got the spine of the team in place. The defence is looking pretty good most of the time. Not the other day, but. And McGreal's got them organised, but we're lacking something. Striker, maybe? Yeah, I think you're probably right. Um, obviously, we don't know what the lineup will look at, look like at the beginning of next season, but down the middle, yeah, two good keepers, either one of whom I think is, is good enough for, for League Two. Four, if not five, potential central defenders. Full-backs have been um, OK. Plenty to pick for from a midfield. Yeah, I agree with you. If we if we somehow manage to find ourselves a 25 or 30 goal season striker, you know, an average team would become a good team team overnight. And so the talking top... strikers, Guthrie, what happened? I, I came out at Christmas. I went on holiday just after Christmas. And before I went away, I said, ah, oh, it's playoffs, it's playoffs. And I knew Guthrie was coming back. January breaks into chaos and then Guthrie leaves in disgrace. What on earth went on? Well, I'm an unashamed Curtis Guthrie fan. Um, despite the way the, 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 his spell at Colchester finished um, and it seems that it, by the end he was deemed to be unmanageable um, an obvious question is where does the blame lie is it a question of Curtis being impossible to manage which of course is a possibility or is it simply that the club um, was not able to manage a, a very challenging player I don't know the answer I do know that a year ago Curtis was terrifying defences he was scoring goals he was getting the crowd behind him and he was looking like a potentially very, very valuable player for us either on the field or in the transfer market and it's all gone horribly wrong. I totally agree with that. I think that the Boo Boys have been a bit unfair to him. I think by the end it was obvious that he had to go but as far as I'm concerned, he left in in sorrow for me rather than anger. We had 69 points last year. We're looking like it'll be less. Are we on the slide a bit? On the face of it, we may be, but in football, in two or three wins and suddenly a slide becomes a resurgence. So all we need is one or two things to go right. And you know how it is. Look at look at the successful size this season. A few good results and, yeah, we could forget all talk of a Let's of end a on a mystery point. The curse of the South Stand. Why can't the boys put it in the net when they're facing us all in the South Stand? That's an imponderable, isn't it? There's no accounting for it. You'd expect it, if anything, to be the other way around. So I think you've just got got to put it down to blind chance and uh, perhaps next season the ball will be bolting the back of the neck more often in front of the south stand. We, we all certainly hope so. We certainly love that. Jim, we'll hear more from you um, on the end of season report later in the show. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? You're listening to Out of Box 39 with Bill Lawrence, Adrian Cohen, and Ian Talentar here on Colm Radio. I don't know.
And so today, like many elderly people, many learning disabled people will only interact with those paid to care for them. Professionals like me and my colleagues. And while I'd like to stress that those relationships are, of course, enriching and important both to them and to my colleagues and myself, they are simply not enough. We all need to see and to know people who are interested in us for who we are, not just because they're paid to be with us. And as someone who spent my whole working life in one way or another providing support to people with learning disabilities with the aim of enabling them to grow in independence and autonomy, I find myself asking whether I, the organisations that I work with in my sector, and indeed the sector itself, have simply got it wrong. I find myself actually asking, are we part of the problem? In my 20s, I was bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, championing the end of the big institutions and naively thinking that these small-scale ways of supporting people in their local community would automatically lead to integration. And while there are some excellent examples of this, it has not become a reality for all. It simply is not the norm. In stepping in to provide support to people, however well-meaning, I'm starting to believe that some aspects of this very carefully thought out support is all too quickly becoming an end to itself and can even become a barrier between the individual and the world into which they're trying to get. The last time I was on an airplane, the service was exceptionally brutal. The food was disgusting and the flight attendant had the worst attitude of all time. She didn't smile at all and paid no attention to my requests. I asked her politely to get me a beer and she told me I'd already had two and that was enough. I said, I thought that we'd get unlimited drinks on this flight. She said, that's true, sir in a very irritating voice, but we have the right to cut people off who have had too much to drink. I said, I haven't had too much to drink. I've had two beers. That's it. She said, well, I think that's more than enough. I said, who are you to judge? Two beers is nothing. You are simply abusing your power. Then she had the audacity to say that I had a bad attitude. I gave up. I said, fine, give me a scotch on the rocks. Now, before we go on to the next item, there's a little introduction to it, and it's going to be an introduction about music, because do you know what? Our house band, Ausgang Exit, just haven't turned up in. What? No 16-piece sort of modern uh, clinky synthesizer sound no, system? No, apparently they couldn't get on the bus today from Wivenhoe, so, uh, to Wivenhoe. So, well, unfortunately, let's do this without them, shall we? No transport system Just today. let us down. Unbelievable. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, if you could, please. Hum, hum away. Hum away, Bryn. Hey, what was on microphone there? You offered to hum. Okay, let's talk about Abton Reservoir. It's an artificial body of water located about five miles southwest of Colchester near the village of Lea de Lae. The reservoir is the fourth largest reservoir in England. It's got a huge area, 1,200 acres. It's also a site of special scientific interest, designated internationally as important as a wetland. A small part of the site is managed by the Essex Wildlife Trust. It's a large, shallow freshwater storage reservoir, the largest freshwater body in Essex, containing around 25,000 megalitres. Pumped storage reservoir, that means water's pumped from the rivers Chelmer, Blackwater and Stow to fill it, rather than just simply relying on rainfall in the limited catchment area. And this next bit I'm going to read to you, I strongly disagree with. But anyway, the reservoir was used by the RAF 617 Squadron, the Dambusters, for practice runs for the bombing of the German dams during World War II. Lancaster bombers fitted with special bouncing bombs designed by Barney.
Barnes Wallace were used at Abbotton for the full dress rehearsal of the Dam Busters raid in May 1943. And as a northerner, I would strongly disagree with that bit of information because I believe that it was Lady Bear Reservoir in the Dark Peak that was used as a practice runs to uh, simulate the, uh, the valley. We've got Bryn turned off so no one can hear him. I didn't realise you read it, Ian. I thought you made it up as you went along. Anyway, a few weeks ago on a Sunday morning, Ian got up early, we kicked him out, we made him put on his walking boots, and he spent a few glorious hours moaning about uh, what he reads in the script, walking from Colchester to Aberton Reservoir. And this is his exclusive report for Box 39. Well, good morning. Um, it's just gone 7 o'clock. I'm standing in the car park at Gosbeck's uh, field. There's a little bit of traffic. You may be able to hear the uh, the crows cawing. Well, the idea behind this walk is to make my way to Aberton Reservoir and take it from there. Having passed the uh, Roman temple, I'm now standing at the site of the Roman theatre. Uh, to my right, going out down towards the south, we've got stubbled fields with a magnificent view um, overlooking woodland. And actually, I can see one of the points which I'm going to pass probably in about half an hour to 40 minutes' time, which is the uh, top of the spire of Birch Church. Um, looking out across the woodland, it is actually the only structure that you can see. And other than about three or four dog walkers and associated dogs, the birds flying across the field are the only company. So I'm now standing on the bridge at uh, Roman River, looking down at the waters. Barely any movement this morning, but then again, not surprising as we haven't had much rain over the last couple of weeks. Um, a great spot for playing poo sticks with the kids. It's also incredible this morning because it's the first place on this walk where there's been a mass amount of evidence of the change of season other than my cold fingers the leaves are lying on the ground golden brown yellows the occasional shot of green it's just a beautiful scene particularly as the the sun is still uh, shining through the remaining leaves and casting a very well a, be a beautiful green tinge to the uh, to the light it's a wonderful wonderful scene first thing in the morning and you can probably hear the army are also up there uh, popping the odd shells over towards fingering hope follow the bridle way down to the left and that will take you down a long sweeping driveway where again you're surrounded by trees putting on their autumnal plumage of wonderful golds and yellows fantastic sight and in amongst them are the holly bushes laden this year with berries I mean whether it's true or not but we may be in for a harsh one and when you come to the end of that driveway find your way through the gates and you're at a basically you're at Birch Park which is uh, the road that links the back of Leia de la Haye uh, with the Angel Pub at the back end of the zoo um, if you go straight across there's a fairly well hidden way marker Follow that path round to the uh, the right. You'll have woodland constantly to your right-hand side with wonderful views over open fields to your left. And that will take you into the back end of uh, the church in Birch. When you've taken in the views of the church and spent your couple of moments reflecting, um, because it's, it's not only is it a decaying building marking time, the clock face stuck at six o'clock whether it's morning or evening it's still bizarrely an active churchyard you know there are still new graves uh, new headstones being erected yet the church so i guess at one time the true focus of this community is just slowly falling apart it's uh, surrounded by scaffolding and uh, hoarding 
its lightning conductor is just more or less flapping in the breeze a bit like its weather vane um, it's seen better days but it's still a magnificent building with its flint frontage its beautifully shaped tower uh, very French in its design um, and in some ways such a shame that a building that would have made well it would have made a community full stop um, is just going to go to rack and ruin it almost looks as though somebody had the idea that the best route would be to go directly towards Everton Reservoir so that's the footpath I'm going to follow um, and as I approach the brow of the hill I know very well that I'm going to have the most wonderful view of uh, the water reflecting the sky uh, in the distance on the uh, on the edge of the well, I guess is a, a hill or a rise there's a wonderful line of uh, mixed trees some still with their leaves and others that have uh, fallen already uh, silhouetted by the um, by the sunlight a few clouds skidding across the uh, sky it's an absolutely beautiful view and in the background i don't know if you can pick it up on the microphone but there's the uh, the, the pheasants are chirping away in the uh, hedgerows and the ditches and the one fascinating bit as you walk from the pub down to this corner is the fact that in the uh, in the woodland to the left hand side there's actually a hidden graveyard <laughs> I mean, quite spec quite spectacular and unexpected the odd it looks like a heron um, out towards the uh, the retaining wall of the reservoir but it's a beautiful beautiful still morning the sunlight still uh, is quite intense off the water It's a god-awful small affair To the girl with the mousy hair For a mommy's yelling no And a daddy's told her to go But a friend is nowhere to be seen Now she walks through a sunken dream To the seat with the clearest view and she's hooked to the silver screen But the film is a saddening ball For she lived it ten times or more She gets spit in the eyes of fools As they ask her to focus on sailors Fighting on the dance hall Oh man, look at those came and go in the freaky show Take a look at the lone man Beating up the wrong guy Oh man, wonder if he ever knows He's in the best-selling show He's alive on Mars Cecily Norby is a jazz and rock singer who was born in Fredericksburg, Denmark in 1964. She grew up in a musical family. Her father, Eric Norby, is a classical composer and her mother, Solvig Lumholt, is an opera singer. 
She was a founding member of various rock and jazz rock bands in the 1980s, and during the 1990s she turned to jazz and released her first solo album. She now has 10 albums to her name and has sprinkled a fair few tasteful cover versions across them. But the film is so sad and bold Cause I wrote it 10 times or more It's about to be read again as I ask you to focus on sailors fighting in the dance hall Oh man, look at those came and go It's in the freaky show Take a look at the low man Beating up the wrong guy Oh man, wonder if he ever knows He's in the best-selling show is alive on Mars. It's about football and it's real. It's real football radio. Well, we started off in Italy, we had a quick sort of journey to Russia. Now we've done Aberson Reservoir and it was lovely. I went for a walk there the other day. I recommend it. Anyway, it's now back to the community stadium and we've got Jim French here again talking to us about Colchester's season. Jim, what's the um, report on John McGreal's end of term? Well, I guess that the, uh, the head coach and his other coaches and other key, uh, key employees and probably the owner himself will sit down and assess the season which is coming to an end and probably in one way or another they'll come to the conclusion that we needed to have been successful we needed to have found a way of getting more players to deliver maximum performance more often because when we've been on top form we've been good enough to walk out of league two but those those days haven't uh, haven't happened often enough so i guess it's another way of saying that the team has been inconsistent which we hear at all levels of football all the time but uh, yeah that's one of the things that's prevented us from being more more successful than we have been so that's great. I'll push you, Jim. A to E, what's your grade? Of the team or of John? John, John, we're talking John. I've thought about it. And I, I mean, let, let, let's be honest, none of us, no spectators know exactly what goes on behind closed doors. And the reality is all we can judge things on is what we see during 90 minutes on a, on a Saturday afternoon or during midweek. I think John has done well. I think he's, he's learnt this season. He's had two seasons now in charge. I would give him a high, somewhere between A and A and B. So it's an A minus or a B plus. Well, that's generous. An A and B. Bill, what's your score? Uh, I'm going to I'm going to come in here right in the middle there, and I'm going to flatline on a C. I think. Ian, can I? Have I'm going to join Mr. Lawrence with a C, um, possibly a C plus or a B minus. But um, from what I've seen, and it's only been a limited amount of football this season, the inconsistencies shown on the pitch must ultimately be a reflection of the man's input so, so, to the squad. So what are you going for then? C plus. C plus. I, I think C plus as well. I think you're a bit generous, Jim. No wonder they want you in the paper. I, <laughs> I, I, I'd, I'd, I'd bung you a beer if I was in the club with that rating. <laughs> I, I would say that he's going into his third year next year and everybody will be expecting it to be a year of, of, of slightly better achievement. So the pressure's on as it always is. Um, but I do think the club is in very good hands. I do believe the players wholeheartedly want to uh, want to play for John McGrill. So you're saying he, he deserves another season? Oh, absolutely, definitely. I, I agree. It's work in progress, isn't it? I think that yeah, I give him another season. Now, there've not been there've not been many of them, but your highlight of the season, your fond memory of being a used fan this year. 
I would say two games stand out. Uh, the home game with Luton, which was very recently when uh, it's that unfortunate game where Luke Berry got injured in the first minute and the game was delayed for a long period. But we went on to romp into a 2-0 lead, which could have been 3 or 4-0. Ended up winning 2-1, but uh, great performance. And sort of left us dreaming of what could have been for the rest of the season. So in terms of home games, that was a real highlight. Away game, and I think you and I share an opinion on this one. Oh, I just, it's got to be Forest Green loved, away. I love the whole thing about it. Gloucestershire, Nailsworth, Forest Green going up the hill, winning the points, people there, everything about the whole day, great. Terracing, a real ale bar, local real ale. Friendliness. Indian snacks at half time. Everything. everything. It, it was wonderful. Robbie, I doubt you're listening, but if you are, Go and have a look at Forest Green. There's a few things you could introduce at Colchester United that would improve our experience 100%. So, the academy, big part of Robbie's strategy, is it delivering? It's delivering something. Um, I think we need to look at, or the club needs to look at, uh, what its targets are. And it was always deemed to be a production line for producing players for the team which at the time it was talked about was League One level. And it was also talked about as being a production line for players who we can sell to higher league clubs and generate funds. So it's doing okay, but could do better would be my uh, my comment. Right, well, you've given him a very generous score earlier on. Um, I said we've got the spine right and the defence is looking good. But if he's going to sort of take us into the playoffs or even better next year, what does he need to fix during the close season? Three words. Recruitment, recruitment, recruitment. That's what it's all about. Depends who we lose over the summer, and I'm not necessarily just speaking about uh, about the playing strength. Mm. Perhaps we need to perhaps we need to bring a new face into the club to liven things up uh, behind the scenes. But player-wise, it just depends who we who you know who's what we've got, which is always a bit tricky at the end. It's got to be a striker, hasn't it? I want to see Mikhail Mandron succeed, and I think he's got the potential to develop into. The guy we need who scores 15, 20, maybe more, maybe more goals a season. So it's a big season for him next year. If he doesn't make that progression, then yes, somebody, uh, an alternative. Yeah, I think we need both, actually. I think he's a keeper, but we want another one alongside him. Anyway, let's wind that up. It's It's been a bit of a disappointment, but there's been some positives in there. Enough to give us hope next season. The spine's in place. Next year can only get better.
tossed into box 39 this week by friend of the show, David Stevenson, is Are You a Flaming Groovy? by the Groovy Arts Club Band, an energetic and entertaining four-piece, including three retired art teachers and one candle maker extraordinaire. Mostly playing their own material, they are inspired by art and music from the 60s and 70s. They can be seen at the Sound House in the Bull on Crouch Street in Colchester on Friday the 27th of April as part of an impressive four-band lineup. If you are indeed a flaming groovy, be there. Are you a flaming groovy? A star in your own movie? Creating your own movie? You're a flaming groovy! Listener's letter, and uh, I'll just read it here. It says, Dear Box 39, having just arrived in the Cone Radio area from over 20 years living in the United States of America, I've been without any decent local football to watch apart from college soccer, whatever that is. One of the greatest things that creates community, of course, is its local and street level sport. What are the local football teams up to in the Cone Radio area? That's from Justine of Elmstead Market, Britain. This does definitely sound like one for you. Come on, then. Uh, why don't we start with Cole Radio's closest side, then? Wivenhoe Town FC, the Dragons. Come on, Brent. How's our local side doing? I think it's one for Stevie and Sonny Wicks as well, who just texted us saying, is it locked, locked into <laughs> FM 106.6? Anyway, back to the Dragons. Last year, they had a last-minute reprieve. It must be one of the most bizarre things in football. They were relegated, and then the... Um, powers that be decided there'd be an extra team in the league and they had a reprieve and unfortunately they've shipped this season having risen from the ashes like a phoenix they've shipped 116 goals a minus 88 goal difference and 14 points compared to, to leaders um Coggleshaw's towns 100 they've only won twice since christmas and the last time was beginning of January. I fear. Hammered 5-2 on against Clacton on Tuesday. Looks like relegation. I fear you're right. So, um, last time we talked about, it was probably about a year ago, we talked about Wivenhoe. Mo was in charge. What's he doing now? Well, Mo, loyal as ever for the, to the club, still there, but he's moved upstairs to be the chairman and he's leaving Chris Hudson to manage the team. Okay, Bryn. Brightling Sea Regent with the local Glory Boys during last season's Bryn and Bill football show. Have they set the Ismian Premier League on fire? Well, last year's promotion champions, the jewel in the crown of North Essex, a little bit tougher than last year. Terry Doherty's still there in the chair with a new manager, Tom Rovery, um, looking after the team. Um, in 20th with four teams below them. They should be all right, though, as only one goes down, I think. And the last time I looked, they had a comfortable 12 points on bottom place, Burgess Hill. Dulwich Hamlet are top of that league, and they're facing, just a bit of a shout-out for them, they're facing Meadow Hall Residential, a nasty group of developers who are trying to force Hamlet to close their ground to the club's threatened. So, good luck to Dulwich Hamlet. I think I'd sum up the, the Brightling Sea season as consolidation. Okay, thanks for that, Bryn. How are is it and Doogie doing over at uh, you know our ex Colu Legends? How are they doing at Stanway? Well, they're in the same league um, as Wivenhoe, the Eastern County Premier League. Remember, they were third, they were third as recently as 2015-16, but this year it's looking like mid-table is the order of the day. Um, no win in the last six. So Kemi did a stirring call. He said that. They should aim to win at least five of the last seven. Unfortunately, they played it to its one was on Tuesday and drew 1-1. Um, they're really going through the games like nobody's business at the moment. On Friday, they've got Walsh and the Willows twice in a week. Can I just say I saw Doogie's name on the team sheet for that game on Tuesday? You're joking. No, nah, unless there's another Carl Doogie that plays for him. 
Well, I know he's um, Kemi's assistant, but I didn't think he'd be on the pitch. Yeah, he wants to go tan on those legs, maybe. Our old friend Polly, the club secretary, will be joining on the pitch soon in this way. Let's hope not. <laughs> now, Bryn, I understand you. You've been having a bit of gloat about those uh, those tractor boys. Well, we've not had much joy in North Essex this, this year, have we? So let's have a good gloat. McCarthy comes along, saves them from relegation, leads a few playoff challenges, um, and does reasonably well, and he's stopped off. He's left. Um, it's a bit of a mystery about whether he was sacked, whether he was pushed, but there was a bit of a theatrical um, press conference where he didn't take too kindly for boo, being booed for taking a young lad off that had done very well, and he said, that's it, few expletives, and he was off. Anyway, I'd like to... Partly to rub it in, I must admit. But I'd like to sort of do a bit of a, a McCarthy defence here. Like, the championship is absolutely rigged. Does, does everybody know that a parachute payment, when you come down from the premiership, could be as much as £90 million over a three-year period? And because of that, if you've got relegated from the premiership in the last three years, you're twice as likely to get promoted. I read an article in the Journal of Global Sport Management, as you do, and they've done a bit of statistical analysis, and they reckon if you're a former premiership side, luxuriating in wallowing in your your payment as you get relegated to reward you for defeat, you've got a five-point start. That's unique to the English game. So I think I think McCarthy is a bit unappreciated. The Ipswich fans should be a little bit more grateful. Anyway. They were poor last season. They haven't been much better. The fans are booing them. And I'm loving every joyful, beautiful minute of them. Is Freddie Steers still playing for Ipswich? Yeah, he's not doing so well, though. I think he's in and out of the team, but he's still there. I'd never say a bad word against Freddie. So I wish them ill, with the exception of Freddie, who I managed to score a few goals, but not too many. Chumbawamba were a British band that formed in 1982 and broke up in 2012. Their musical style constantly shifted and drew upon genres such as punk rock, pop, folk and experimental. They exhibited an irreverent attitude towards authority and they took stances on issues including animal rights, pacifism, the class struggle, feminism, gay liberation and anti-fascism. This track, Amnesia, was the second single from Chumbawamba's 1998 hit album, Tub Thumper. Its lyrics address the sense of betrayal that English leftists felt during the rise of new labour. A lot of people won't get no justice tonight. Do you suffer from long-term memory loss? 
And this is my real voice when I'm not pretending to be from Essex. <coughs> Every Tuesday in the deep of the night, starting at 0-100 hours here on Cone Radio, I present Bill's Big Bag of Onions. It's got nothing to do with onions, and there is no bag. Just an eclectic blend of well-crafted music and thought-provoking spoken word. been listening to Out of Box 39, the Thursday night community and magazine program here on Colm Radio. You've been listening to Bill Lawrence, Adrian Cohen and me, Ian Talentar, with our special guests, in fact our very special guests this week, Mr Bryn Griffiths and Mr Jim French. Say your goodbyes, gentlemen. Thank you very much, and uh, good night, everybody. Thank you, Jim. It's been a pleasure to have you back once again. Join us again soon. And if you haven't had enough of Bryn Griffiths, join me on June the 10th for the Colchester Arts Centre preparation for the World Cup. Why England lose poetry, fun, music, videos, tears. See you there. So join us every Thursday at 8, live on Cone Radio and on our streaming on-demand service on mixcloud.com forward slash box39. So, from where we are, way down deep in the vaults of Cone Radio Towers, beneath the rich soil and sturdy lands of northeast Essex, it's time for us to close Box 39 once more. Be seeing you. Be seeing you. A strictly guppy production for Gone Radio. Take a closer look Don't let it slip right through you